Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane, and we're back with another episode of the XO Podcast. Today, we have a phenomenal producer that has worked in all ends on the front and back of the industry that goes by the name of Felmax. He just had a huge release this week on Subsidia Records, so please go check that out and stream that shit. He's had official remixes for Five Fingered Death Punch, Papa Roach, and so many more. I'm super stoked for you guys to hear this conversation and the insight that he can give from the back end of the industry. I really, really enjoyed it. Big thank you to Daniel for joining me on the show. Don't forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for exclusive ad-free previews of the podcast as well as one-on-one lessons, live streams, production streams, and so much more. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane and you're tuning in to the XO Podcast. Thank you for having me, of course. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. How have you um how have you been? Uh good. Been um been trying to stay not trying to have been staying as busy as, as possible with the pandemic yes. and just finding ways to kind of like uh shift gears differently to move forward, you know, because when the pandemic happened, it kind of I can curse, right? Can I curse? Oh, absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> okay, okay. It kind of fucked everything up for everyone. Oh, you know? yeah. So, but I've just been working and kind of preparing myself for when everything kind of starts coming back together, which it seems like that's happening a lot um, sooner than expected. So, yeah, I've just been working. Yeah. Good. I know it was, it was very much so that we all kind of had to all of a sudden think outside the box and say, how are we going to adapt? How are we going to be able to stay in this industry and still be able to make a livable income without having to get another job, which we saw a lot of our colleagues do. 100%. Yeah. You know, so for our listeners listening, this lovely human who's on the podcast today, his name is Felmax. So for our um, listeners tuning in, just Mm -hmm. tell us what you do. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, I'm 28, you know, it's fun. Okay. I'm, I'm 28. Uh, I'm from Venezuela, right? Okay. Um, I lived in Miami most of my life after moved to Venezuela, but then I moved to Vegas. Now I'm based out of uh, Concord, California. Um, I produce music all across the board. So the Felmax project is mostly known, mostly known for like bass music and trap and stuff, but I like to just make everything really i have a project with um michael martin where we do like a hip-hop sad boy juice world kind of stuff that we're working on i have a reggaeton project with my brother you know he's a he's a rapper in spanish and he makes reggaeton so we produce that stuff too um i just like to produce everything across the board um and i'm big into anime and i I'm, if you guys follow my music you That's guys can amazing. tell <laughs> i can tell with the goku when i was looking through your looking through your um press press package i was like oh shit because i was not a huge anime you know fan for a while until i had started dating my boyfriend and when when i started dating him he's like all right we're starting on episode one we're gonna go all (laughs) the way through and i was like oh shit what am i in for but i loved it it's just this whole you know and and i see these these like relative connections via anime into edm and i get it so much more now and it's so dope yeah and and it's like i've themed everything like like i get a lot of my inspiration from visual stuff you know Mm -hmm. so all my song names are anime themed or if if they're not anime themed they're at least like x-men themed or like something marvel related It, it all kind of ties back to the kind of like my childhood in a sense, which is, I think is something that I've been doing with my product that I think it's cool, you know? Like, so it's like, if you like bass music, you can come for the bass music. But if you like, if you happen to like anime or Marvel or any of that kind of stuff, you might stick around longer for that too. That's fucking dope. So when I think of the name Felmax, did Felmax kind of spawn from this anime-based, Marvel-based, or how did you come up with the name? Because it's not a name you hear every day. Yeah, you know? yeah. I wish, I wish, I wish it did. No. Um. So I used to be in a production duo. We used to go go by the House Cartel, right? And by okay. the way, I love all your all your pads. I just moved Thank into you. this, and it makes mine very, very, very empty. 
Um, no, it literally, it looked like that for quite some time. And yeah. then I was like, all right, I have to like decorate this and just all of that. And it's, it's slowly coming together. I have, nice. thank you. Is this blurry on your end? It is blurry. Yes, all right. Yes. Give me one second. I'm stopping. I'm starting. It's a great webcam, but it's just, I don't know if it's getting outdated. It just sometimes has that focal point where it's like, hey, I'm just going to focus on your your Starbucks <laughs> cup instead of you. And we'll just use that as the main focus. But, yeah, um, okay, so back to Felmax. So so <laughs> tell me the story behind that. So um, I really wish it could be something like anime theme. But I used to be in the production duo. Well, DJ duo. We used to be go by the house cartel way back in the day. And I remember, like, we are super excited about this because um, I, we smoked weed and we wanted something weed related. And we mm-hmm. brainstormed forever. Chill. And we came up with the house cartel because we made house music at the time, obviously. And um, it stands for THC, the house cartel. So okay. we're like, oh, this is perfect. You know, this I is like that. Awesome. I fuck with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out some guys had that name copyrighted. And then they were like, yeah, if you guys put out another song, we're going to sue you. And I was like, yeah, my this is like we had no big nothing, like no no success in the music industry at all. Yeah. But um so if you look at the house cartel right now on Beatport, it's gonna be like my very, very songs that I ever produced, but somebody else's face is on there, right? So okay. we changed it to Felix House and Max Cartel. However, this guy never really produced, right? He never made music. He was just like he used to drive me to shows and then eventually he was like, Hey man, you mind if I get on the decks? And I was like, sure. And that's how kind of we became a duo, right? So we oh, went by Felix. Story. Yeah. So we went by Felix House and Max Bertel. And then people kept calling us Felix Bertel, somebody else. And I was like, that's not who we are. So then eventually we always talked about Felix and Max putting it together, coming up with Felmax. And then when I was there was at one point where I was like, listen, dude, we've been doing a, a project for like three years. We he never produced a song. Mm-hmm. I was like, you need to turn something in. Because I'm going to crank everything with this project. Or I do it by myself. And he was like, look, bro, I support you 100%. He's like, I just want to see you succeed. And I was like, okay, got it. So I took the name and I ran with it. And I've never made a film with that name, Max. So, so, yeah. Awesome. Good to know the backstory. I feel like I see that with duos quite often. Where you've got the guy who's the DJ. He does the touring. He does the traveling. And then you have the person who, you know, makes the music. And, and I've always kind of imagined how complicated those situations could become if that, you know, partnership was kind of, uh, looked at from an outer point of view or one of the members is like, Hey man, I'm doing all the work. I want to be playing. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And so that's really dope to hear that, you know, uh, your partner wanted the best for you because I've, I've heard of other situations where it oh, goes yeah. into a legal knockdown drag out i mean look at first I, I, that was like i tried to paint it amicably. at first he was like fuck you i'm keeping your monitors he still has my monitors oh, you know my <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't that friendly it was years later where like we came to peace and then he was like you know what man like you're totally right i just wanted what's best for you i was just salty so we did end up on those terms but before that he did have like a big blowout and i was yeah. It's just that initial thing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like kind of like uh it's more of like a pride thing, I think. You know, mm-hmm. it's like oh you can do this without me kind of thing. Which um I think ultimately it comes down to um when people split, it's about somebody wanting it more than the other person, right? So they work more or just different ideas created. That's something that I see will happen too. Maybe like somebody wants to pursue house and then the other person wants to make future base. And then it's like, okay, well, then we're going to have to split, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. So when you were in the duo, you said you started as house music producers, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so what made you want to take that turn to bass music under the new Felmax name? Okay. So I used to, um, um, I used to be into really heavy electro, right? So I started making house and then I got into like, I'll never forget it. It was like Porter Robinson and he dropped like Unison and he dropped the, the Say My Name remix for like, um, I forgot who it was, but it was a massive, massive remix. And that to me was like the introduction of bass music for me. You know, I never forget. I was like sophomore year, I think, in, in Beatport, right? And um, 
I got into just really heavy, heavy electro and I started kind of making just bass music at 128. Not very, not good bass music at that. Let me rephrase that. I made an attempt to make bass music at 128. It was terrible. I think but, everyone um, starts there, though. Everyone exactly. starts at a terrible point. <laughs> so, so, exactly. So I started with electro and then eventually I just got into like Casper, you know, like way back in the day, Casper. And like Rusco and like old, old, like uh, Screaming Banga, old stuff like that. And I never really took my hand at it until I heard Trap. Once I heard Trap, I was like, because I never thought I could do like I, I would hear it and I can't envision what that would look like. Once I heard Trap, I was like, this is kind of like hip hop. I was like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then I just started implementing like dubstep sound into Trap and eventually came to like like a dubstep kind of standpoint or like heavy bass music standpoint, you know? Absolutely. And I feel like there's very few people who sit in that middle line between like dubstep, bass, and trap music. And listening to your guest mixer XO radio this past week, it was like all of your own music, but it's like that consistent sound that sits right in the middle. And you can tell that obviously these big players are looking for tracks like this and the crowd is is you know, yearning for this kind of subgenre in the EDM market because, you know, you have people like Excision playing your tracks out and all of these guys where it's like, damn. And that must just be surreal from the back end of being in so many kind of divots of this industry to see the big guys being like, yo, okay, this this fucks. This is dope. Yeah, yeah. And it really is like, and thank you for bringing that up because like, I'll talk about this with my girl. Be like, babe, what do I make? Should be like dubstep. I'm like, I don't make dubstep. I'm like, I make trap, you know? And it's really, really cool. Like to, like you said, to see that kind of like, I guess like people picking up to that because it's like, it's what I love from, from both worlds. You know, I really love grimy, dirty basses, but I love the trap bounce. And that to me, it's like the perfect middle. So I'm glad that you noticed that thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think of like, you and and Verg and Black Sheep and like Bilo and it's just like I'm seeing all of you guys collectively get this huge you know crowd of people that whether it was from quarantine or not from quarantine they're like ready for like different fucking music and shit that's just like not a tonal dubstep and like coming from myself who like I've made more kind of melodic future rhythm bass music for a long time it was very hard to be accepted in a club setting when everybody was very into that like bang 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 sustained bass dubstep and now they're like we want more we want more versatility and it's really cool to see like from a consumer standpoint people's ears maturing and and they're wanting more kind of i I hate to say intelligent dance music because that's just a shitty term i should say more (laughs) complex dance music you know okay yeah no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I, I like, and to touch up on that too, somebody who's like, um, I think is doing what, like that whole uh, dubstep trap thing, well, Glades, you know? Yeah. And Glades, he is just, like, if we're talking about that, if we're talking about trap, we cannot talk about trap without mentioning Glades because he is just, like, at the, to me, like, he's, he's a monster. Best he's such a monster. He's so good at what he does. But, um, and like you said, it is really, really cool to see, like, the switch in, I guess in the consumer's brain where they they're now kind of like tapping into these other things where it isn't just uh sustained and coordinate, which that's great too. There's a reason why that works. It always mm-hmm. goes off, but there's a lot more to uh bass music than that. So yeah. It's just cool to see the, the circle starting to expand. And, you know, from the back end of the industry, we all understand that, you know, most of the lineups this year are just kind of a continuation from 2020 where everybody's kind of already previously contracted, all of that stuff. But I think in 2022, it's going to be really fucking cool to see if these talent buyers decide to fight on all of these new kind of subgenres that have really emerged through COVID. And in my mind, they would be stupid not to. So it would be, it's it's just going to be a really interesting, like next two to three years to see how just the electronic, you know, dance music market in general continues to mature and like what the fans are going to want. Cause it's like, I look at that, like Wakan shit now, and that's all over the place too. Yeah. No, no. And, um, I can see it happening already. 
based off of like so my old management we never really focused on touring or right? we never really focused on playing shows too much because we were just we were looking at it from a different point of view mm-hmm. now i have new management and we're doing things differently but i can tell that like based off of the show offers because i'm getting show offers to play things that i I didn't think I was going to be playing for like another two, three years, that's you know? Amazing. So I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that's cool. So based off of that, it kind of tells me like that it is like the market is shifting. And it's like, I see people getting mad about the lineups, but you're right. It's just, these are prior uh, contracts that have to still, you know, go into play. So mm-hmm. it is going to be really, really cool seeing just like a bunch of new people playing. And you're already seeing it. Like right now, like I think Gong got, book for like beyond wonderland yes i saw yeah, that you know so it's like you're seeing all these people who are like um somewhat underground just take these spots in these big festivals and it, it just makes me feel more confident in the in the shift that's happening in the music industry for sure absolutely and i feel like that just kind of hits home with the point of you know so many times i am just like dude is this like is all of this work like worth it? Like, do I just keep going? Like, like I see things happen to other people and I, you know, understanding the back end, you're like, why the fuck is this happening? Da, 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 da. And it's really like, is a homage to, I, I use Chris Gom as, as a perfect example of like, you just have to keep working and don't mm-hmm. quit. And you have yeah. to be like cognizant of your surroundings and your teams because all it takes is one part of the puzzle to not fit and it's not going to work. But once you have those puzzle pieces all fit and that work has been put in and you're already at that 98th percentile, that two, 3% of luck is going to push you right over the top. So, you know. And I always try to tell people too, like it's very, very, uh, it might sound like very, very cliche, but the key is to just keep fucking going. You know, one thing that I attribute that has helped me out in my career and I attribute this to anime. It's just my 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 state of mind, you know. Um, I've gone like through this music industry so because of these dreams, you know. You gotta take risks, you know. You have to take risks, and you have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. And I found myself in a position where I was kind of like homeless with just a desktop to my name. You know what I mean? And I remember producing. I taught. I tell people about this shit. I tell, I remember producing. Dude, I was I produced for boxes of pizza. You know what I mean? And I would make that pizza like last me a week or like a bucket of Chinese fried rice because well, who doesn't eat fried rice? And I'd make that like last me a week, you know? But never did any of that change like what I knew I was capable of in me. You know, so even if I'm homeless with a desktop to my name, a desktop that turns off every 30 minutes because it's fucking terrible, you know, like that's literally what it was. Um, I'm not going to let that change the way that I see myself, you know? And um, it's important, like that right there, that that re- being resilient and just keeping at it is what's going to make the difference from the people who make it and the people who don't. Because truth is, you never know how close you are to making it. I have friends who are making it. I have friends who they have had their whole careers happen already, right? And I could have looked at that and seen it as, well, what about, no, it's not what, when you, like, for me, when you see somebody have, like, your, your close, somebody have, like, that success, like, um, or somebody else in your close circle. To me, what it does is like, thank you for letting me know what's possible. Now I know that I can do that myself, you know? So yeah, it's about just keep keeping the consistency and no matter what, just keep going. You have to, the way uh, I see myself is like train with no breaks. doesn't matter what happens, whether I'm 50, 60, 29, it happens tomorrow. I'm going to keep at this shit until that happens because that's the way that you have to be about it, you know? Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm just going to screenshot that, screen capture that, and just send it to all my students all the time. Because it's so true. Because it's, it's like so many people's journeys are so different. And it's so hard to tell somebody like, oh, this is step one, step two, step three. Like this, this kind of career path isn't like opening a box and following instructions. Everyone's journey is different. But it's very simple when you kind of focus in on having that energy where it needs to be having your mindset where it needs to be and having that close circle and like you have to you know work past this kind of mentality of resentment and use it as like motivation exactly what you just said like you showed me what was possible so now I'm gonna go home and work 10 times harder because I know I'm that close and exactly. you know it's um <laughs> it's just it's uh it's really 
really cool to see so many people in different kind of career paths at different levels say the same things. And that's what I've kind of heard so much throughout this podcast. But you do kind of back to that teaching thing. You do mentorships as well now too, right? So so tell me about that. Did you do that pre-COVID or was that something that was new that you decided to integrate kind of into your business? So um, that was, the, the COVID definitely forced me to kind of like just be a little bit more creative with the resources that I have and everything that I do and just think of something new. But it started with, I'm sure you guys like, you know, the fire. Oh yeah. Shout out to fire. Yeah. Shout out to fire. Shout out Alex. Yeah. Big shout out to Alex. So I I started first as doing um, feedback there and I really like, like doing feedback. Like I really like helping people with their music, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it started with like one person booking a session here and there. And then, another person started booking a session and then I kind of like it came out to be now that I have like 22 students that are like directly under me that I do weekly sessions with that I mentor like three who have already gotten signed to Subsidia um just like they're all like doing their thing which is really really cool you know but it started with the pandemic started with the pandemic and it just this is why I didn't look at it as a bad thing because I was like well it forced me to think creatively and then think outside the box and, you know, maybe get a little bit uncomfortable, but not have a whole business outside of like what I'm doing that is not just taking care of, like, honestly, just pays my bills, you know, it it kind of replaced what like touring would have been doing. And obviously now once touring's coming back, I have to find like the perfect balance, but I'll be honest with you. Like I've done a lot of cool things and through music, you know, and this to me has been the most fulfilling thing I have ever done. So back to touch up on like that part when I told you, like when I would ghost produce for people and stuff for pizza and all that shit, I told myself I wanted to help out producers, right? Because I used to always work in restaurants and I would see so much wasted talent, you know, whether it be singing or people who sing or rappers or producers who just kind of gave up on their dreams. And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to one day, put myself in a position that I can help out producers the same way that I wish somebody would help me out now, mm-hmm. you know? And unknowingly through doing these sessions, like six months into me building my academy, I realized, oh, wow, I actually, I'm doing that one thing that I set out, that I said I would do at some point in my career. Mm-hmm. But I, I just didn't realize it, that I was, I was doing it like right now. And it is the most fulfilling thing, being able to see people grow as producers, being able to see people who have like graduated from ICON, and seeing them taking their production to the next step and even people who have never produced before and seeing them get like hip hop placements in a matter of like six months. It is really, really fulfilling to see that happen. And out of everything that I've done, out of like everything, that is the most fulfilling, fulfilling feeling I've ever had in me. And I feel like I have never said that word as many times as I have in the past like 30 years. <laughs> no, that's amazing. No, that's that's so awesome. And I think it hits it on the head too. And it's it's like not only does it somewhat, you know, make you better at your craft, but like having that ability to share knowledge with people who are like ready to work for it. Like I feel like it's just so different and so much more fulfilling than like ghost production per se. Because it, you know, and and you without like going into details, obviously. I know you exist on a huge level on the back end of the industry and kind of how you spoke at the beginning. When you look at this, you know, EDM industry of artists, I feel like you have one of two people. You have people who are, I love to perform. I'm a fucking DJ. I produce this subgenre. This is, this is the lane I'm in and I'm going to stay in this lane. This is what I want to do. And then you have people like yourself. And you're like, I just fucking love making music and I will make any type of music you need me to make. And I'll do Mm -hmm. this project and this project and this project just because you fucking love it. And any way that you can share your art with other people, you're going to do that. So, so in, in my question is, you know, most people listening, I'm sure have seen the, the recent kind of you know, Twitter, Twitter beef and shit about, about these ghost producers, you know, coming out, coming to the, coming to the table. You knew I was going to bring it up, but what do you, what do you think about the whole thing? And we don't have to bring up names. We don't have to bring up X, Y, and Z. It doesn't matter who the people are. It matters about 
the the concept and and I think that people don't understand that it's so such a widely common thing for someone to be yeah. those produced for and and do you think I I'm someone who believes that great tracks and great hits come from collaboration but mm-hmm. I also believe that everyone who is part yeah. of that collaboration should be credited somewhat um and then but then you know you also have guys who just have racks to spend or mom and dad's money and they just want to be a fucking touring DJ. And, and yeah. you know, we deal with that a lot too. So from your, like, personal experiences, I'm sure you've dealt with everyone across the board. You know, what do you think about it? Um. Okay, so I'm not mad at people who need those producers because that's why I have a roof over my head. You know, like, yeah, it yeah, would yeah, be yeah, no, so sure. hypocritical for me to be like, that's fucked up. But hit me up if you need those. You know, you know what I mean? That would be like the <laughs> yeah. most hypocritical thing. I don't see anything wrong. It's it's happened for years in the industry, whether it be uh ghostwriting, you know, like like I don't know why people people I don't want to people just have this false image that it's like one guy in the studio. It's just like Justin Bieber's new album. It was just Justin Bieber by himself locked in. No, it's not You're how right. it works. The best, yeah, the best it works, uh, the best music comes out in collectives. Every song that you like, probably outside of EDM, because like for some reason there's a stigma. It's like no, it has to be me one hundred percent. Right? Even, Isn't that crazy that, though? Can you imagine the music insane. we could get if if there were col- more collaborators and more people yeah. in the room? But yeah. it would be it would like you you're one hundred percent. You were literally and here's the thing: some of the best records that we get in EDM, they're not. It's not that they're being ghost producers. Just like for example, yo, I'm gonna pass it to one of my homies. Look, I'm like I'm not scared to say it. Some of my old records, um, when they were mixed by Max Tyler, my like Doe, Chapel, all those horn records, Raven, Max would swap out my kick if he felt, if he deemed it necessary. I don't care. Thank you for showing me that through having a better kick, I can have a better song. He would swap out my snares. You know, he would swap out my hi-hats. He would, if he felt like he needed to change my 808, he would change my 808, right? Mm-hmm. I see no problem with that because I learned from that. A lot of times having that extra ear um, on your song, they might be able to pick up on certain things that you're not 100% going to be able to. Now, that specific scenario that you're talking about, I felt like that was just handled a little bit poor. If we're talking about um, ghost production in general, it, it's a part of the industry. It's going to be a part of the industry. People need ghost writers, whether it be for production or for writing. Shit. So let me tell you this funny story. Um, this is just way random. Just, just came to my mind. So yeah, here's, here's the thing about ghost producing. You have to just be very um up front with who you're working with and what you're asking for let me tell you a scenario that i had happen to me that is just the funniest thing so i ghost produced this song for a random client right and i sold it i was i, I used to sell him a lot of music right so i would sell him a song for 300 dollars. very very cheap very cheap oh that's super, so cheap yeah, yeah yeah so cheap right and but i didn't know this guy was going around and reselling that to other people oh, saying shit. he was the ghost producer and he was selling them like $900,000. You know what I mean? Oh my so, God. yeah, hilarious. So at one point, I literally, I finished a song for the guy. Let's say that I called it Bombs Away. Bombs Away that way. Here you go, bro. I send it to him. In 30 minutes, he sells it to somebody else. That third party doesn't know I'm involved. So I get a promo on my DM saying, hey, man, I have this new record. Would love for you to check it out. And it's called Bombs Away That Way. Didn't even change the name. And immediately I'm like, this can't be the song that I just sold to this other guy. Like, No. Oh and sure God. enough, it was the same exact song that I had sold to the other dude. So he had no idea I really produced it. So he made himself look like an idiot. I was kind of, I was, I kind of trolled him. I was like, "Yo, I love your 808s. How do you get them to sound like that?" Oh, that lead is sick. Just fucking so I can see with it. him. Oh my god, I feel just like so that unfortunately like happens more times than not. Like, there's just like, I just feel like there's there's sometimes people get this like stigma of like, hey, like I can just do whatever the fuck I want, and that's gonna yeah. be it. And it's like. There's so many people, too, where it's like I've come across situations where, you know, these people don't, you know, don't have like an NDA or they don't have like their things protecting them. And it's like that just like 
leads to like shady business and like all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I don't know. I was just, I was just curious because, because you've done quite a few stuff, like quite a few things as, as a producer and like multiple facet things on the back end of the industry. And, and, you know, I, I've also seen you do these remixes for I'm a total metalhead. So I've seen, oh, you, awesome. yeah, put out these remixes for like five finger death punch and Papa Roach. And tell me, that story because I want to hear about how this kind of came about because it's just this totally left ended thing. And and now I'm seeing more things like I know Kazo and, and um, Sullivan King did a track with Papa Roach. And it's so cool to see mm-hmm. kind of these guys starting to come together because I look at dubstep and the only reason why I like dubstep is because it had the same song structure as a fucking it's metal. metal. Track. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's so, new age metal. It's literally what it is. It's literally new age metal. So, so tell me about how you kind of got this window of opportunity with them and their team. Okay, yeah. So, um, I actually used to. I also I was living in Miami, and through my old management, um, I linked up with the guy from like the main guy from Five Finger Death His name is Zoltan Basby, right? Um, so his. Let me help him. Okay. Make sure I'm not breaking any clauses. Okay. So okay. um somebody in his circle needed ghost protection. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, okay. We'll somebody just in say that circle, yeah, 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 yeah. They needed um some they just needed some production work done, right? And um non-like metal, it was actually like EDM stuff. Okay. And I kind of came in at the perfect time. Like I remember I went to his house one time and they were super, super nice to me, you know, and they were mind you, the dude's like a literal rock star. Funny enough, so growing up, I was actually the opposite. I was never into metal because I'm okay. I'm like in, in Miami. It's either you like hip hop or you like rock. Metal you know, like, does fuck. not exist down there. You, you, yeah. you, you know? And it's like people like you know, well, not even that's like it's either you like it's either you like like one genre or the other. You can't be like a hip hop loving metalhead that doesn't mm-hmm. exist. In fact. Like the the metalheads and the the hip hop heads, they would fight for no reason when I was in middle school, you oh know. God. Yeah. So I was like, well, I like to vibe and Biggie, so you know. See, and I was very religious. Yeah. yeah, I was very religious, and like I remember the first time hearing "Down with the Sickness" and then hearing like "I'll be a good boy." But I remember that like really making me feel uncomfortable. You know? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, maybe it's not. For me. But in, in 2011, somebody the first band I ever heard was Five Finger Death Punch. And, okay. Um, I had the first one that I actually sat there and heard. And um, funny enough, I ended up linking up with the guy years later after becoming a producer. I love metal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite band is uh, System of Down. I think they are yes. fucking incredible. Oh you know? my God. Dude, yeah. if they ever come to the States again, I will be front row. I think they're playing in, in LA actually in October. No way. I think way. they're playing in LA in October. Yeah, it might be Boy, sold out. I may be going to LA in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're, so, they're one of the few bands that I that I am downright just into. They're so, so good. fucking good. Yeah. Um. So I ended up starting doing production work with um somebody that needed the production in that group, mm-hmm. right? And I was over there every day, every day. We were in the studio all day, and then eventually, like the the dude literally said, "Listen, man, like we have four extra bedrooms in this house. You're here every day. Why don't you just move in?" And I was okay. like, okay, mind you, where I was staying at, there was like in Vegas, there was like people were like having drive-bys where I was staying at and stuff, you know? And like yeah. he would make a joke. He's like, he'd be like, he's Hungarian. So he'd be like, you didn't move out of Venezuela to come move back into Venezuela. Come on, man. Oh. So I was saying, so I stayed with them for a while. And through me living with him, right, I was able to link up with their management company. Their management company, they have this lawyer, right? And through him, we were able to get a Papa Road remix opportunity. He was basically just like fishing, like, hey, so we got this EDM artist who needs remixes done. Papa Road was the first person to reach out. And we did that Born for Greatness remix. And this was already like, I was already living like a year and a half with the, the with Zoltan from, from Death Punch, you know? And I put out that remix. And then Death Punch, they were going on tour. And at the time, I was kind of splitting things with my manager and um, my old manager at the time. And the dude Zoltan, he was like, why don't you just, like, I'm, we're going on tour. It was them and Breaking Benjamin. He was like, why don't you come on tour with us? And I was like, okay, that's kind of nerve-wracking. But yeah, sure, I'll go on sure. tour with you guys, right? So 
while I'm on tour, um, they like I remember I had done minor, minor work on their new album, meaning like just I gave them samples to use and like I just gave them a bunch of stuff for them to pick from. Some of the yeah. stuff ended up getting, getting getting picked up, some stuff ended up getting trashed. But it was my first like, okay, I, I'm 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 in the door, you know, I'm getting some somehow working with some major, major artists, which is what I want, right? So I go on tour with them. They were working on the album. I had a few things like on a specific song that actually were my cause on how things played out. And they were like, why don't you just do a remix? Why don't we just do an official remix for the album, right? Um, this one actually hasn't came out. I did two remixes for them. So I'm jumping a little bit all over the place. No, no, no that's while fine. The, yeah. Um, while we're on the road, we, they presented the remix, right? I went on tour with them and Breaking Benjamin. It was the most crazy experience of my entire life. Let me tell you how nerve-wracking it is to sever in front of 20,000 people that are like waiting for Five Finger Death Punch in fucking middle America. And you're like, here's some dubstep. You know what I mean? It is the most nerve-wracking thing. I just remember thinking to myself, no one boo, you know, because people are strong in crowds. Like, one person boos, two people. If two people boo, 10 people boo. It only takes one. Yeah, but nobody, they loved it. Surprisingly enough, the way that I would like, I didn't play a straight dubstep set. I would play like um, Pantera and then dubstep. And then I'd play Metallic and then dubstep. And I would play like these classics. Exactly. Edits on edits. Exactly. And through me being on tour with them, playing that with them, you know, the label just showed a little bit more interest. They presented two remix opportunities for me. Um, one of them already came out and another one is still coming out. So that's kind of how that all came to be. It was, it was literally just, so I always tell like, maybe like you've probably heard it. People say it all the time. Like success happens when preparation meets um, opportunity. The reason why I've had success is because I'm just prepared. I learned to make every genre. If I didn't learn to make that person that needed post production, they need a progressive house. Felmax doesn't have any progressive house in his catalog, but I'm still going to learn to make it because I might need it. Mm-hmm. Through me knowing how to make progressive house, I was able to make that really, really close relationship. And now I, like, I'm really cool. Like, I for, forever have a brother in, in Zoltan Bathory, you know? And that's one of the, the, he's like, to me, he's like, he's like a legend in this industry, you Absolutely. know? So um, that's really how it all came together. And it's, a, it's like I said, it's about just being prepared. If you're prepared, when these opportunities present themselves, you can really, really capitalize. Oh, definitely. And yeah, it's like kind of what we we discussed earlier. It's like you got to put it, the the luck doesn't work for 100 percent of luck. You need to be 98 percent there just yeah. for that opportunity to present itself and say, hey, you know what? I'm fucking ready. Let's go. And I think that's where it's, you know. Like if if you are an up and coming artist, if you're an established artist, you know, during covid I hope you've been working on music. Like, I hope you've been, you know, doing stuff to the best of your abilities because these are paying your ghost producers to work on your music. Yeah, or paying your ghost producers to work on music. There you go. Um, Because, you know, these opportunities are starting to knock again and they're going to leave people who aren't ready. And, and, And it's just like the way that I think about it is, you know, if you're not putting in that 110%, there's someone who always wants it more than you, who's always yeah. doing that extra work. So, you know, having that balance is good. I don't, I think that if you, you know, it's about consistency. It's not about going balls to the walls and burning yourself out and then hindering yourself for the next week, for the next month, for the next year. Yeah. It's about consistently having this schedule in which you allow yourself to take the amount of time that you need to sleep to get outside, to have that break in order to keep improving because you're going to get there quicker than going on a fucking bender and wonking yourself out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree 100%. And that's something that I try to, um, that I try to like, just with, with like uh, the mentoring, right? With all my students, that's something that I, with every session, I try to just sear that, sear that into their brain. It's all about like, you get what you put in. It comes yeah. down to that. And and so to touch up on something that um the Zos, so to to me, he's one of like he's the most successful guy I know, you know. So when he mentored, like when I saw him as like mentor, like I just soaked everything. One time he told me this, right? He said, He's like, you know what, you don't have it because you haven't worked hard for it. You have you haven't worked enough for it. And to me, somebody who was spending all their time working, that was like such a shattering realization. Well, what do you mean? He's like, Well, 
lot of times, like maybe you're putting the work into the wrong place. Maybe you don't know what you're doing. So you spend five years running in circles, but you think you're actually putting work. He's like, have you actually spent all these 11 years that you've been putting in, on music into the right places? And when you start to look at that, you start to think, no, maybe he's right. One of the other things that he told me is that this was what like changed everything for me in my, in my life, the way that I saw the music industry. He said, a lot of people have, um, and this is a gem. He said, a lot of people have envisioned their success happening one way, but they block out any opportunity from it happening any other way. So they get attached to, no, but I let's say like, I have to be a dubstep producer, but I have to be, right? But maybe there's an opportunity for you to produce for Maluma and get a, a, a fucking reggaeton placement. And make money doing that and make a career doing that and really take care of your family and your loved ones making music just in another realm. But because some people get so attached to these ideas and it has to be this way, what I tell people is it doesn't have to be anything because it can literally be nothing, you know? Absolutely. And I feel like that is so much of the future of being an artist because like, let's just be real. We don't, in this scene of bass music, it is not an incredibly lucrative scene financially, especially for an up-and-coming artist. Unless, per se, you're ghost-producing. You're doing X, Y, and no. Z. You're doing other stuff. But that, I don't consider that you you know, putting that into your project. That's not you as Felmax. That's yeah. you as Daniel making income via an audio engineer, via being a music producer. And it's yeah. like you have to be able to think out of the box because I think there's such a special skill set that we have. And so many people are so close-minded to thinking what you can do with this skill set. Oh my God, I've seen so many bass producers say, all right, yeah, I'll take a stab at making some hip-hop beats. I'll take a stab at making some pop music. And they're just like, what the fuck? This is fucking easy. This is pie compared to what I do on a daily basis. And then they get placements and then they get somebody buying their song and then they get somebody buying you as a lyricist, as a songwriter. And you just Mm -hmm. made what you would make on three legs of a support tour, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's where I feel like our future is. And, and, you know, I look at myself and it's, I could have never imagined me having a podcast. You know, that's not what was in my mind, ideally, or, you know, you yourself maybe being a teacher or all of that stuff. Exactly. you know, but, but it's open these doors and then it adds value to your name as well. Like you having that five finger death punch remix, you having that Papa Roach remix that adds so much, you know, substance behind the Felmax name that is then taken over into the bass music scene that you can use as leverage. And people just have to stop thinking in this box that they have to really see all these different opportunities that are like right there. Yeah, no, no. Again, I agree entirely, 100%. I tell people, like, I have a student in Romania who he's very like, so when am I going to make money? Look, if you want to become a millionaire DJing dubstep, I hate to break it to you. That's very hard. But if you open up your mind a little bit and you open up, you change that dubstep to just music, that's going to open up a lot more possibilities. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, there's so much, like, there is so, and it's not about, here's the thing. We make, we do this because we love it, right? I make music because I love it. I need it for my mental health. I mean, like I told you, I was broke and I was still producing. So, mm-hmm. um, however, I just had like the, uh, the big, okay. Yeah, sorry. I had to bring that. Um, yeah, that's literally so me much- all the time. My dog will stand underneath my studio monitor and just stare and I'll be talking and I'll be like, oh my God, I just had a crazy brain like aneurysm totally went away. But anyway, sorry, what were you saying? Very good. Um, There's like, there's money to be made in this industry. There's so much money to be made, whether it be in syncing and licensing, you know, that's something a lot you don't know when you first come into this industry, you know, how much money there is to be made through doing just that. I have friends who they just... They, that's all that they do. They just, okay, what, what, who needs what? You know, they, they contact music supervisors. They get these sheets from music supervisors. Um, and they just fulfill what is required. And they make their career doing that. You know, there's other people, like, for example, you could do a podcast. You could do teaching. You could produce other. There's so much that you can do to kind of, like, succeed in this industry, especially, if like, that's really what you want. Like, ultimately, I think what we all want as producers, like, um, is just to be able to take care of ourselves and the people we love making music. You know, that to me is like, I have a million goals. That is the ultimate goal. 
you know, to, to stay here, to stay where, where I am now, to be able to keep uh, taking care of everything through music. And I think with a little bit of an open mind, people can see that there is multiple outlets. And it's like, I hate, one thing I hate is people who try to discourage other producers, new producers, like, don't come in this shit because you're not going to make money. You know, like what I say is, if you're going to make dubstep, you're not, if you want to make just dubstep, you probably won't be a millionaire, but you can still make it in this industry. You can still take care of yourself through making music. Yeah. This idea that other producers put on sometimes, it's like, no, you're not going to make any money. And it's like pure negativity. It's like, I hate seeing that because it discourages other people. You know, like I've have I have students who will be like, hey, so I was watching this interview with this guy, and he said that even though he had a gold record, he still had to work a second job. And to me, I see that I'm like, well, that's that's a bad business on your part. You know, that's not this industry sucks. If you have a gold record and you didn't make any money and you didn't weren't able to capitalize off of that, that's not this industry sucks. Nobody ever produced. That's you had one song that you had bad business. Learn your mistakes and keep it going, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I feel like I'm all over the place, but yeah, they're definitely. No, you're is not. A lot it's, of you're, you're spitting gems. You're good. You're <laughs> okay, good. good. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities in this industry. You just have to be prepared. You just really have to learn to make everything. You have to become a chameleon and adapt. I can't, I can't stress that enough. If you really want to succeed in the music industry, just become a musical chameleon. Learn to make every single thing. The way I see it is, Every genre is an opportunity for me to connect with fans that might not know who I am, right? So just because Thumbax doesn't make country, that doesn't mean Daniel Moore can't go on the back end and produce for fucking Jason Aldean. That would be fucking amazing, you know? And I think, like, every genre is an opportunity to connect to people. And if you want to look at it from a business standpoint, every genre can be looked at as an income. You know, if you're making money from dubstep, right, from playing your shows, and on the back end, you're getting your placements in hip-hop, you're getting your reoccurring royalties with all the other genres, reggaeton, and everything else that I produce, it, it kind of like it's each thing becomes its own income. And it all adds up. And I think that's the goal that everyone should really have is, you know, to wake up one day and say like, hey, I'm making my living off of music and I'm living comfortably off of music. And it's also to know that just because you open your mind to doing other things such as, you know, making those other genres, getting those placements, teaching that doesn't mean that that income isn't going to be filtered in to what you really have as your number one. You know, what I make from, from teaching or what I make from ads for the podcast, I put into Lizzie Jane, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. and you do the same thing with Felmax. So it all adds up. It's just you, instead of waiting around to twiddle your fingers, you're just being proactive and working. And unfortunately, a lot of people just don't want to be proactive and work. They want somebody to knock on their door and say, hey, it's your time. We're ready yeah. for you. And unfortunately, in this industry, that happens little to none. Yeah, I, I, I really do wish that's how it worked. You know, and it, it, it comes and sometimes it doesn't even come down to like who has the most talent, who works the hardest. Some people like you, you see, you've seen situations oh, where somebody yeah. would just get lucky flat out right from the jump. Perfect. Like they like, you not know. Lucky, I mean, yeah, like they have like the money to fund everything, you know, so but. Um, I, I, I wish it was like that, but the harsh truth is that it's not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you'll see shit that pisses you the fuck off, but at the end of the day, you just use it as motivation and you understand that, you know, you can't compare your situation to anyone else because you're not in the same shoes as anyone else. So you have to to work with what you've been given. And, you know, I think that's where the best artists come from, in my personal opinion, is when you have these artists where it's like, they got to work for it and then they love it at the same time yeah. too, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's great to be in a comfortable position, but it's also great to have that passion and life experience to drive the music that you're making because you hear yeah. it in the music, you hear those experiences and I don't know, it's, it's, it's really cool. And, and why I wanted to have you on really was to obviously talk about Filmax, but the other side of that is that I know you had done so much work on the back end. And I just really wanted you to talk about the the possibility of having these options and opportunities that will be presented to you. And if you're ready to take advantage of them, they can help skyrocket your career, you know? Yeah, 100, 100%. It comes down to being able to, I mean, look, it's, you have to, it sucks, but you have to be like a one, a one man, one woman 
team, right? So mm-hmm. like when um my when me and my old manager split ways, it put me in a position where it's like, okay, you have somewhat of a reputable name, but you don't know shit about anything. You have no label connects. I had I, I was kind of just left in the and it kind of left me there to kind of fend for myself. But one of the things um that I learned was how to do the job. What I mean by that is if my manager isn't doing his job right, but I don't know how the manager's job is supposed to be done. I'm not going to fucking know. If my PR isn't doing their job right, but I don't know how to do PR, I'm not going to know. Tour man, you name it. You know what I mean? So I went and I learned how to die. I worked for like um, the Five Finger Death Punch dude. He had a label. So through working with that label, I started doing all the releases myself. I started setting up like uh, Spotify release campaigns to artists that have never put anything out. And were able to, I was able to get them on New Music Friday. I was like, oh, okay. So when I pay somebody $2,000, this is what they're doing? And oh, you're like, what okay. the fuck? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> or like PR. You know, PR, not to, not to bash other than this PR, but like I've seen people throw out some rates like $1,500. Let me tell you right now, PR has to, a good PR person has to do their job one time. The first time they make that connection with the blog or magazine or whatever the case might be. You know, but I learned how to do everything and it kind of just adds more value because now I'm just not just a, I got, I got beats, man. You know what I mean? Now it's like, I can offer a lot more than just music, which if that's all you can do, that's perfect. That's totally fine. But I found myself in a position where I kind of needed to be a one man fucking team and kind of take care, um, kind of take care of everything, you know? So that's something I urge people to learn the industry. Read, I'm sure you've read it or have uh, talked about what it with people. The, everything you need to learn about the music industry, that is an incredible, incredible book. You know, like, if you want to do something, really like learn everything that you can about. You know, I have it downstairs on my living room table. I've got exactly. the last few editions. It's a wonderful book, but it's like that's what I tell everyone too because. You know, it's so easy to say, hey, I'm a manager. Hey, I'm an agent. I got you. I know what I'm doing. But if you're, you have to understand that, you know, as an artist, you're the boss. You're the head honcho. You're the employee. Because if you're not there, no one's making money. And exactly. and the more that you can be knowledgeable about all of these positions and what they're supposed to be doing properly the better off you're going to be because I can't tell you how many artists I've worked with, past situations I've been in with, you know, past management, past X, Y, and Z, where it's like, you just see people hinder artists' careers because they don't Mm -hmm. know what these people should be doing and how they should be doing it properly. And the Mm -hmm. more that you can understand that from a back end, I always tell like all of these new artists, they're like, oh, like, well, this, you know, my friend wants to manage me. This person wants to manage me X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, look, you don't need a manager until you can't do something yourself. And you really mm-hmm. should, should understand the PR, the contracts, the this, this, and that, because you don't want to turn around one day and say, how the fuck did I get put in this hole that I'm now stuck in? And you see people get in that hole all the time. And, and it's cool to hear from somebody as established as yourself, you know, and a commonality with other artists where it's, it's like, Hey, you really should be educated on the basics. Now I'm not asking you to be an entertainment lawyer. Don't go, you know, don't go think you can do X, Y, and Z, but to know what all of these roles are and what they should be doing properly is a huge advantage point that unfortunately a lot of artists aren't educated on. Yeah. And it's like, when you start making music, that's the thing. Like when you start making music, you think it's like, okay, I got a song, I put it out, I release, and then, you know, and you don't realize how much thought that goes into it. Earlier, you had men- you had mentioned something about kind of like being on schedule. This is something I try to like. I have students that are like, listen, man, I want to put a song out. I like, I'm, I'm itching, and I'm. Like, it's not just about putting a song. I was like, you put a song out right now, so you can so you can take care of that instant gratification. Then what? What do you have to follow that up? You don't have another song as good as this. You still have to work, right? So a lot of times people, they don't know how much work has to, they think it's just put a song out on it. No, you got to think about branding. You got to think about marketing. You got to do a rollout. You got to do Spotify campaign. If you got to find somebody at Apple, you got to do a SoundCloud repost campaign. You know what I mean? There's a lot more that goes into just putting a song out. And that's something that all new producers should 100% be looking into, you know? And I think, 
which is why these mentorship um, programs, because obviously a lot of people are doing it. And it's amazing because it gives newer, younger producers a chance that I didn't have, a chance that you didn't have, which is- God, I wish I had someone. Yeah. Exactly. To have a one-on-one with somebody who's like, has the connections and is more established and they can tell you exactly how to do things rather Mm -hmm. than you having to figure it out for yourself. That's amazing. So for anybody watching who's like a new producer and you guys really want to make it in this industry or whether it be this or anything else, just educate yourself. You know, that's one thing that about me is that I become, whenever I like anything, I become obsessive, you know, like, so I used to be into, and and then I used to want to play the NBA. I knew everyone who played high school basketball you know like all, all the top high school ball players i knew who they were because i saw them as my competition right i got into ufc i know everybody about like i know every fighter right i'm into marvel and, and anime i just fill my brain with every piece of knowledge i become obsessed so when i came to the music industry i was like i gotta know everything who's what what does who what's this label what like like even right now, like what's happening on the back end? What the fuck is going on? And sometimes when when I don't know, it hurts me, you know. So you have to become obsessive, you know. You have to really, really become obsessive with it, and just obviously find the healthy balance. But just dive right in, and don't just don't think that you have a place that you have to stay in. Like mm-hmm. you, the more knowledge you can know, the more books you can read, the podcasts you can listen to. You know, there's so many great outlets for every type of learner now, whether it's visual, interactive, you know, yeah. listening. And and it's just kind of like, if it's a priority to you, you'll make the time to do it. And it's, and you know, that that's what I see. Cause you know, you'll make the time to watch Netflix. You'll make the time to go to the gym. Okay, make the time to read this chapter in this book. Make the time to watch this YouTube documentary series. And yeah. and that's what it is. It's so much of it is time, you know? And, and kind of what you said earlier when, your mentor was like, Hey, you've been working for this long. Where have you been? Where, you know, maybe the work hasn't been distributed correctly or Hey, like maybe it just hasn't been enough time. And that's what I tell, you know, students, I talk to other people like Crisley was on the other day and he's just like, everyone who I see who's in your position is just rushing to get to the finish line. And, and you can't take shortcuts in certain aspects of this industry or you're going to get ahead of yourself. You got to breathe yeah. and you have to work at your own pace and make sure you're establishing these, these, you know, blocks of bricks instead of straw that's just going to get blown over next year and then you disappear and then was yeah. all of it really worth it, you know? And the goal should be, you know, everyone's goals are different. Don't get me wrong. But I know for you and I, our goal is to be able to make a living for the rest of our life off of doing music in different facets mm-hmm. of the industry. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see places like the fire society, all of these things that have come out of COVID where these are, you know, there are these mentors now that are giving this advice to up and comers where it's straight answers. There's no beating around the bush. And there's something I think very special to that, especially in an industry where people like to gatekeep these secrets and not let people know what to, what to expect or how you're supposed to approach something. Yeah. Which is by the way, which I think is preposterous, you know, like, I'm not with that gatekeeping shit at all. Like I do sessions with people like, and I'm like, okay, so here's like, I literally have students who will ship me their hard drive and I'll give them my entire sample library. That's and I'm like, here's fab filter. Here's every plugin that you need. Because the way that I see it is I have to give, not just show you the tool, but I have to give you the tool so you can really, really, you know, like prep yourself. And the whole gatekeeping thing, I'm so against that. You know what I mean? Like there's enough, like everybody can be successful. There's the room for everyone. Exactly. It's like if you're a producer and you feel like you have to gatekeep some sort of anything, I think that's really telling about your confidence as a like. For example, if I'm like, if I have this sample pack, but I can't give it to you because if you have it, then you might actually make music that's good. It's like I don't understand the thought process behind that. You know, there should be no gatekeeping. Everybody should, everybody should be willing to help out everybody else. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. I know it sounds like some very utopia shit, but it's it's true. There's room for everybody. There's no reason why everybody can't be successful. And I think it would make for a lot more healthier industry if people were a lot more open to helping other people out. Because there's this kind of constant like, 
with depending on who you're working with, there's a kind of concept like kind of like kind of watch over your back thing in the industry. It's not good for the artist's mental health. Mm-hmm. So I think if this was something that just became a lot more, I don't I don't know, common overall throughout time, it would make for a healthier, healthier industry, I think. Absolutely. And it's like, this is people in your position's opportunity to also pave the way for the next people, you know, and producers and artists in electronic music. And it's like, wouldn't you want them to have all the tools necessary and all the knowledge necessary in order to do some next level shit in five years? And, Mm -hmm. And it's like, you have to have that foundation there. And we finally kind of have this opportunity to try and educate people as much as possible. And I feel like gradually I'm seeing more people like you and I, and whether it's on the underground, you know, I understand in the mainstream, I get it. I I hate the gatekeeping thing, but it's also in the back of my mind, that's the way the wheel spins. And I'm, and I don't expect it to start spinning another way. However, Mm -hmm. the more people that are open and, you know, as a girl, I'm like, you know, all the girls kind of get thrown in one cup and it's like, Hey, there's room for all of us. There's not room yeah. for just one. And and the more people can have that perspective, the better it's going to be. Yeah, and which and which is something else that I hate. Like you can see when the lineup is trying to, in their mind, hit a quota. Yep. And I'm like, you guys realize you look dumb by doing that. You stupid know, like fuck, like literally but, so stupid. <laughs> it's, like, I, it's very yeah. apparent what you're doing. You know, it's very obvious. Like, like, no, well, I'm not going to talk about anything specific, but it's very telling. It, it it is very very telling on that. I mean, I can imagine. You're like, I can't. I mean, I, I can't. I can't even imagine that. That's just must just be a headache maneuvering this industry as a woman. You know, because. I already it's a it's a headache right now, but I, I know how guys are, you know, and yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not even talking about industry, I'm just talking about fan. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about like it, it must just be barbaric. So it I commend gets, you very, I, very highly. It gets pretty wild, but I also have to say that that there's more women doing it every day. So there's a, you know, it's it's crazy to look at the growth on our side where you've gone from maybe knowing on one hand some regional producers that are also women to now there's a bunch of them and they're mm. everywhere and it's and it's super cool and it's like you know at the end of the day everyone has to deal with shit like it's part of life and you can either look at it as like for me this fucking sucks x y and z or like hey i have this advantage by being a woman in this industry that if i work hard i can really kick ass and it can open a lot yeah. of doors and that's something mm. that is really cool as well you know but kind of circling home there's room for everyone and the more that people can just be open about it like I've never sat down like when I learned guitar when I learned bass I would go to CM Ash I'd go to the guitar center we would all jam you know how to do something okay you're gonna sit down and show me and then when I got into electronic music it was like oh I can't show you how I did this oh I can't do it and it's like there's no reason for that you know there's not at all no reason but it's just very nice to hear kind of what you've been up you've been up to and and is there anything that is coming up that you're excited about that you want to share with us anything we should keep our eyes open for Yeah yeah so I have a song coming out on the 17th I'm back on Subsidia I don't know if I was supposed to announce it but this is the breaking news Yay um, no that's uridium.com awesome. <laughs> <laughs> doing um another subsidiary release. This one is named after Jujutsu Kaisen, my new favorite anime. It's a oh. collab with Blaze that's coming out. Um, oh, I'm yeah. playing, yeah. And if you haven't watched Jujutsu Kaisen, you should definitely watch Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay, it's, I'll check it uh, out. It's incredible. You'll have to message me the name, and then we'll. we'll I got you. Okay. Look, right. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna message you three things you 100 have to watch. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Jujutsu Kaisen is one. So I have that coming out. I'm playing in. Bellevue, Ohio, on the 21st, I'm playing in uh, Pennsylvania, um, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm sorry to the promoters. I, I'm, I don't no, remember exactly okay. where it is. On That's the 29th, awesome. I am playing um, some shows in um, Denver coming July. 
So all that's coming out, and I just have a ton of stuff with Michael Martin. If you guys have been, if you guys like vocal EDM records, you guys are going to be familiar with Michael Martin. Me and Michael Martin have some incredible, incredible music coming out. It's a project, like a duo between the two of us, where um, I produce and he sings, and we kind of come collectively and like kind of put everything together. And it's what I'm most, most excited about. I love dubstep, I love bass music, but to me, producing these like pop records big vocals is what i want what i want as a producer so that's something you guys should be on the lookout for uh my bad moods project with michael martin it would be coming out soon and a house project that um i'm gonna keep anonymous so obviously at no point in me bringing it up but i am working on some house music that's gonna come out very very soon and surely i'll be i'll come out i'm gonna say that Yes, yes. That is so amazing to hear. I'm so happy for you. You'll have to send me some previews of the the pop stuff, the bad mood stuff. I would love to hear that. I'm a I'm a total pop music connoisseur. Same thing. I I do enjoy writing pop music a shit ton. Um, but yeah, please send to me. So happy to hear of all your successes. I really hope that we do, you know, internet to to in real life at one point this year it would be wonderful yes. to finally meet you i greatly appreciate you daniel for coming on the show to talk and um yeah thank you so much i hope you have a good week all right thank you so much for having me on and hope you have a good week too i'm gonna be sending you all that stuff and please watch juju okay? i will i will send you all the information <laughs> all right thank you so much daniel have a good night for sure bye all right, bye see ya Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the XO Podcast. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you that are return listeners and viewers. It means the world to me. And do not forget to check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for a first opportunity to hear these podcasts ad-free. Give us some input who you want to see on the podcast, ask questions, one-on-one lessons, group lessons, live streams, and so much more. This is Lizzie Jane, and I'll see you next week for another episode of the EXO Podcast.